Good morning, friends. You've tuned into Faith Communications of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We're delighted that you joined us today. Our hope is that today's message will help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we listen to today's message, keep in mind that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now let's go right into today's broadcast. guys beautiful let's pray heavenly father we thank you for this time in your presence we thank you lord that you make it well with our soul father we trust in you we seek you this morning we seek your guidance your wisdom your word father illuminate our hearts open our eyes open our ears that we may know you more today Father, I pray that not one of us, including myself, leaves here the same today. Father, you will transform our hearts and our minds. You will renew us. You will restore us. And Father, we thank you that your mercies are new every single day. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many of you... uh, Remember what happened about a year ago? (laughs) Okay, that's kind of a trick question. If you are new here, if you haven't been here uh, before, maybe you have started coming here, one year ago, almost to the day, our founding pastor had what they called a widow-maker heart attack on the side of the road in Maine. And he was in a coma. I'm giving you just the cliff notes of this thing. But I I can't pass up the service and not remember and reflect how faithful God is and what he did one year ago. I can't believe it's been one year. And he was in a medically induced coma for many a, a few days. I think it was six days total. And honestly, the doctors, including his son who was a doctor, they believed that, you know what, he is not responding. They didn't know exactly how long he was without oxygen on the side of the road. They thought it was between 8 and 13 minutes. They were not sure. And they figured, you know what, I'm not sure if this guy is going to live. Well, I'll tell you what, this church gathered together, and this church declared that he will live and he will not die, and that he will declare the works of the Lord, meaning Pastor Jim and Pastor Pam will declare the works of the Lord. Now, they're not here this morning because they are out declaring the works of the Lord somewhere in Canada or somewhere in New York or somewhere out there they are declaring the works of the Lord because on that day, on that sixth day, whenever it was, his grandchildren gathered around him, and they begin to pray. And they weren't sure if they'd ever see him again or understand or be able to talk to him again. They began to sing a song with him. And I'm telling you, God miraculously, instantaneously healed that man in the name of Jesus. Give him a hand. He got up. He was like, what's going on? He was trying to stand up. He's got all this stuff on him. He's like, get this stuff off me. I need to go home. 19 days later, he walks out of the hospital, a completely whole and restored man. In Jesus' name. And I'll tell you what, I I give you that story, and you can find that story on YouTube. CBN made a documentary. Uh, Pastor Jim is writing a book. In fact, he finished that book. And I believe it's beginning to be available online, but we want to get him here. And he's going to make those available out in the lobby here in the next couple weeks. uh, Whenever he's like, you know, not traveling, sharing sharing this testimony and this story. 
But that story, that testimony, that miracle truly opened up this floodgate of miracles at this church. And if you just started coming here maybe for the past couple weeks or couple months, I am telling you, miracle after miracle after miracle continues to occur in this church, in people's family. And we talk about this church and our family is marked by miracles. And last week I began to give the testimony of Gail, who had a miracle occur last week. And I began to give that testimony, and it was funny because at staff, uh, Uncle Don, Don Johnson, he was just like, uh, you didn't give the whole story. And I was like, oh, there was more to the story. And so I reached out to Gail. I said, Gail, I need to know the whole story. Give me the whole story. So guess what, church? I'm going to read you the story. I'm going to read you what actually happened because this is here. This is going to build your faith. This is going to get you excited about knowing more about your identity and who you are in Christ. This testimony is going to begin to build your faith and your hope in what God can do. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay. On Monday morning, September 9th, I woke up approximately 3.30 a.m. to go to the bathroom. When I got up, I realized my right arm and leg were heavy and difficult to move. I had baby aspirin on my nightstand. I took three of those. After a few minutes, I sat up. The bed, I had to literally get out. To get out, I literally had to lift my right leg and put it on the floor. I stood up. I had to drag my leg to move at all. This is when I realized I was having a stroke. I woke my husband and told him to call 911. He didn't know the address of the camp, so he ran next door to my sister's camp, and she called 911. I was transported to Corey Hospital, where they did a CAT scan, and determined, indeed, I had a stroke. They gave me another baby aspirin. The doctor told me that they had to be transported to St. Vincent Hospital in Erie because Corey did not have a neurology department. The entire time I waited for emergent care to come and transport me, I knew I was going to be fine. You understand? Gail understood her identity. She knew she was going to be fine. She says, because I am blessed and highly favored, I was surrounded by my brother, sister, brother-in-law, and my husband. I knew the message went out to my whole family and friends for prayer, and thank you for your prayers. I love you all, she says. All the time I was at Corey Hospital en route to St. Vincent Hospital, the right side of my face, my arm, and my leg were tingling and were limp. If I needed to get up to go to the bathroom, I had to have help. I had to drag my right leg along. I arrived at St. Vincent approximately 7.30 a.m. I was taken directly to the neurology floor, uh, to my room, which was prepared and ready for me. The doctors and nurses immediately came in, and I was given a shot of blood thinner in the stomach and three Plavix, some, some drug, I imagine, yes? They explained what they were going to do, a CAT scan, with the contrast of an MRI to see what caused the problem. They were back and forth in my room taking blood work, all my vitals, several times. I had to wait for someone to come in to give me tests. While I was waiting, I started getting frustrated because I was still unable to move myself. Finally, around noon, they came in to get a scan. Once again, I had to have help to get into the wheelchair. I had the feeling Satan was telling me, huh, some lies here. You ready? He was telling her some lies. You're going to need help from now on the rest of your life. This is where I took authority on the way to the CAT scan. And this is what she said. She said, I said, Satan, you think you have beaten me and that I will not be normal again? Well, guess what? Not today, Satan. 
I have the power and the authority to bind you and your demonic forces from my body in Jesus' name. I resist you now, Satan, and you must flee from my body in Jesus' name. I am healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for this power and authority. It took about one and a half hours for my test. When I got back to my room, I got out of my chair, and I walked to the bed myself. Hallelujah. All the glory goes to God. I walked out of the hospital on Tuesday afternoon around 5 p.m. on a blood thinner and a prescription. I have no limitations in my body at all. I've been back working and doing well, sharing my testimony with everyone I can. I went to a follow-up appointment with my doctor on Tuesday, September 17th. He told me, uh, you, did not just, you, had a, you did not have a mini stroke. You had a full-blown stroke. And the doctor said, I'm amazed that you made such a remarkable recovery with no limitations to your body. I looked at him and said, the good Lord was watching over me. And he smiled. And the doctor said, yes, he was. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. Oh, my goodness. I did not do that miracle justice last week when I shared that testimony. And I just felt I needed to share it with you guys. It needed to be heard. You need to know that God is a miracle-working God. And we have authority. We can take authority because of the identity that we have in Christ Jesus to be able to take authority and power over the plans and the purposes of the enemy. Last week, if you were here, we were continuing our series on identity. We're going to continue again this morning. And the, the big theme for last week, and I want to explain it just one more time, says our identity in Christ, our actual identity in Christ looks like Jesus, because we are in him, so we are like Jesus. So every one of us who has put our identity fully in Christ, we have this identical identity that is Jesus. Now, he has made us all unique. We've already talked about being, what was it, weird? Yeah, we already talked about this morning about being weird in the sense that each of us are created differently. And in senior high, we were down there with them this past week, and Liz was mentioning that to you, uh, one of our, our seniors uh, she was just like, oh, Pastor Jason, like I totally understood what you were saying, basically, but let me help you with a little analogy that you can help some other people with. This is not how she said it, but this is what I'm doing. So I'm giving Sophia a little bit of credit here. She came, she's like, listen, Pastor Jason, what you're saying is we're like a snowflake. And in a sense, the base fundamental, fundamental chemical composition the chemical foundation, the identity of a snowflake is H2O. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. Yes? It is water. It is every single snowflake has the same exact identity on the inside. It's core makeup. And that's what I'm trying to say. All of us who have made Jesus our Lord, who have made him Lord of our life, we begin to be able to walk in Christ's identity. Every single one of us, whether you are the Apostle Paul, whether you're Pastor Jason, or whether you're out here listening to me today, it's the same. We have the same identity in Christ. Now, each of us are on a journey with every part of that identity, whether it's been redeemed, blessed, forgiven, all the things we've been talking about, we're all on this journey for it. But I want you to understand, we're like a snowflake yeah because the actual fundamental is the same yet each of us are created uniquely different every snowflake is completely different and I absolutely love that example when we are in Christ then what is seen is Christ 
Christ is blessed, therefore we are blessed. Christ is victorious, therefore we are victorious. Christ has been redeemed, so we are then redeemed. Christ is the healer, therefore we are healed. Christ is the comforter, therefore we are comforted. You see, when we are in Christ, these things now belong to us. They belong to us. The fundamental verse, the foundational verse we've been looking at, I'll put it up on the screen, you can turn with me to it, is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, that means some are not. That means some are not. You may be here this morning and maybe you are not in Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, do not walk out of this room not knowing if you are in Christ or not. Because you can be in Christ. And to be in Christ is a decision that you need to make to repent and to ask him to be the Lord of your life. And I can pray for you right here after service. We'll have small group leaders up here. You'll be able to pray that. I want you to know that you can. You have an opportunity to be in Christ. Therefore, if anyone, some are not, those that are, this is talking to those that are, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Whoa, new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So this morning I want to challenge us, something to reflect upon. This is going to hurt a little bit. So it's been a year as being kind of the senior, not kind of, we are, I mean Liz and I are the senior pastor of the church. We were actually transitioned in January officially, but a year ago our founding pastor was dead on the side of the road and then was raised to life and we were kind of thrust into the position in which we, you know, they were already planned for us to be in, but we were thrust. So I feel like I have a little grace to be able to talk real with you this morning, to challenge you a little bit, to say, hey, you need to, you need to think about this. You need to reflect on this. It's a statement that goes like this, and, and I, I, I read it somewhere. I'm not taking credit for it. I read it, but I want to explain it a little bit differently than how that person was saying it. It says this. You can always, you can always tell the size of a person's identity by the size of the problem it takes to discourage them. Oh. I'm going to read it again, and I want, to, I want to explain what I mean by size. You can always tell the size of a person's identity by the size of the problem it takes to discourage them. And when I say size, and this, is, this person didn't extrapolate on this, but I want to talk about When I say size, I mean a couple different things. I mean size. Sometimes you can tell when a huge problem comes your way, are, do you truly understand your identity in Christ or don't you? And you will quickly tell whether which one it is by your reaction to the situation. Your reaction will determine, it's like a test, right? You know how we take a test? My kids, uh, Grace, has just taken her driver's test. She had a study for that test. And as she was taking that test, she quickly knew, am I passing or failing this test? And I know Chris spoke about this a couple Wednesday nights ago. God continues, he allows tests in our life. Does he bring trials? No. Does he bring temptation? No. He does, I'm sorry, he does not bring temptation into our life. That is from the enemy. But guess what? Tests happen. And that test is not for him to know where you are, it's for you to know where you are. 
And so the quicker we begin to see which test breaks us down, the quicker we should build ourselves up with the identity in that area of our life. You understand what I'm saying? In that specific area, if it's finances, then you want to begin to build, you know what, I need to build my identity up and who I am in Christ in the financial realm, in, the, in prosperity, in God's word. What does it say to me? Maybe it's healing. Maybe every time you, oh, Oh my goodness, I'm getting sick again. I've done this. But over the course of time, we need to build up our identity in those things. What does God's word say about it? When I am truly in Christ, what does that mean when a sickness tries to come upon me? When a bill happens not to be paid? And many of us struggle with self-pity, self-condemnation. And when those things come at us, how quick are we to be discouraged? And it's those things, and it's different for all of us, it's those specific things that you need to begin working on in your own time, not just on Sunday morning church, in your own time, those things you need to begin building up your identity in. I'll tell you what, like for me, I'll I'll give you a little, I said I'd give you some personal stuff here. For me, when it comes to healing, like, it doesn't, like it really, honestly, it doesn't even bother me. It's just like, oh yeah, I have a pain, whatever, God's going to heal it. Like, my first reaction is not Google the pain and see all the different ways that I might be sick or ill. Now, some of you might do that, but that to, if that is your initial response, then you know you need to build your identity as Christ the healer in you. Who you are in Christ and God's healing power and mercy, that's where you need to be. That's where you need to build your faith in your identity. Does this make sense? Some of you might be financial. Some of you might be like, man... I got to build something. Oh, yep, I knew it. I, see, I knew it was going to happen. Yep. If that is your initial response when a bill shows up that you don't think can be paid, you know you need to build your identity in Christ in that area. For me, you know what mine? What, one of mine, my goodness. I could, I could do the rest of like, we could spend an hour here going through all my challenges. But I'll give you one. Mine is when someone comes and says something negative or has a negative thought about me or a decision that I made or in any way is critical. I immediately go into self-condemnation. I can't believe I did that. They're probably right. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And I immediately go in this downward spiral of self-pity and self-condemnation and getting upset because I challenge, my challenge is people-pleasing. So I need to understand who I am in Christ and when Christ tells me to do something, when he tells me to say something, and I'm confident in him, and no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does to come against that, I have to be secure in my foundation in Christ. Does this make sense? So each of us have this area, and I'm telling you, it doesn't just happen sometimes. Sometimes it happens overnight. But I would tell you, for the majority of you, You are battling something that has been generational in your family. You say, well, but I I deal with, you know, I deal with pornography, or I deal with uh, hatred, or I deal with fear, or I deal with all these things, and the moment that something like that comes at me, I struggle immediately. These are things that have been, that the enemy has been planning in your life from the beginning before you were even born. You have to understand that the enemy is the one that we are fighting the battle against. And he is working specific strategies against you. That's why you struggle with something different than I do. 
and he's coming after you. So you have to build yourself up in your identity. And we're going to go through some more identity words of who you are in Christ today. But I'm telling you, the entire series, if we spent the next year doing it, I won't capture every single one. Because each of us struggles with one, two, sometimes more. But I'm encouraging you, you need to build yourself up in the area in which you are quickly discouraged by a problem. Does this make sense? This word, in Christ, in Christ, is used 216 times in the New Testament. Do you think this is an important phrase that we need to get a hold of? 216 times in the New Testament, this phrase is used, in Christ. And what we need to understand, what we need to remember, that when we are in Christ, when we are in Christ, we are now a saint, We are no longer a sinner. You say, oh, Pastor Jason, I sinned this morning. Well, I did too, okay? I did too. I was very short and abrupt with one of my children this morning. Sometimes it's a little stressful on Sunday morning getting to church. Just because I sinned does not mean I am a sinner. Oh, there's a big, big difference. There's a big difference between the two. Just because you sin does not mean, when you say I am a sinner... You are declaring an identity over yourself that you are a sinner. But when you are in Christ, you are no longer a sinner, but you are a saint who happens to sin, who is working in a battle, who is fighting through some things in this world as we live in the flesh. Does this make sense? We need to change our name. The Bible talks about we are either in Adam or in Christ. In Adam, meaning the first man that God created And there was the fall of man, so the fall of Adam. So you are either in Adam or you are in Christ. Like I said earlier, if anyone is in Christ. If you are not in Christ, then you are in Adam. And I'd like to tell you a few things of some truths about whether or not you are in Adam or you are in Christ. You see, at the cross, Jesus Christ traded places with us. He traded places with me. He traded places with you. All the death all the shame, all the condemnation that I deserve went to Jesus. Do you get this? All of it, all of it went to Jesus. All the forgiveness, all the love, all the grace that Jesus rightly has had and the sinless God has come is now mine. What this does is it changes our identity. I want you to see this. If you are now in Christ You are now in Christ's position, and Christ is in your position. When we are born in Christ, we are new, we are redeemed, we have a resurrected identity. And this is what this means. In Adam, there is defeat. In Christ, there is victory. In Adam, there is condemnation. In Christ, there is salvation. In Adam, we receive a sin nature. In Christ, we receive a new nature. In Adam, we are cursed. In Christ, we are blessed. In Adam, there is wrath and death. In Christ, there is life and love. When we change this perspective, and we change our name, and we change our identity, we change the way we act. And when discouragement tries to come, and problems try to come, we Trials and tribulations are going to come. The Bible says that. It's it's true. This is where we are. This is where we live. But then it's our response that begins to change. 
and our actions begin to change. I'd like to tell you a story about at our house, our neighbor came by the other day, and, I, and this, this goes along with this because it changes what we do when we understand what's actually happening around us. And when you begin to understand your identity, and you begin to understand how the enemy is trying to come against your identity, you truly begin to change how you think of yourself, of who you are in Christ. And our neighbor came to the door, this is probably a couple weeks ago, I believe it was. She came to the door and she says, Jason, I need to tell you something. And I'm like, what? She said, you're not going to believe this. I said, okay. She says, we saw last night out of our back window the biggest coyote I've ever seen in my life just roaming around our backyard. It was around 5 o'clock. And I initially was just like, oh, whew, okay. There's a coyote roaming around my neighbor. You know what a coyote is? It's a predator. It's a predator. And I begin to realize, oh my goodness, what about my kids? Maybe I shouldn't let my kids go out and play like I used to let them go out and play. Maybe, and I started to think all these different things in my own mind. And what the Lord revealed to me, he said, you know what? Do you remember two years ago when you saw, what's the word? When you saw scat that seemed to be way too big for anything that would roam around behind that bush? I'm like, oh, I did. Do you know that that predator has been there for years? But it was the first time that it was seen. And do you know that you have a predator you have an enemy that is roaming around seeking to steal, to kill, and destroy. And he doesn't want to be seen. He doesn't want to be known. He wants to sneak in on your identity. He wants to make you begin to believe things that are not truly who you are in Christ. And this coyote example just absolutely gave me this revelation. It says, you know what? That coyote has been here. But now I am aware of it. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm going to act differently. Now that I'm aware of it, I'm going to speak against that coyote. And you know what? Mr. Coyote, you cannot have any of my children. You cannot have my property. You can't have my cat in the barn. And if somehow we end up getting a dog, God help me. <laughs> this was talked earlier. If you came in a little bit late, there's a potential dog going on here. Okay? If, if a dog comes, that coyote cannot have my dog either. And now I realize, oh my goodness. And now we begin to realize that my, I did, I did, I did, Mal, I'm so distracted, I spoke my dog, oh my goodness. You know, I do appreciate as you guys pray for your pastors, this is like, <laughs> there is no greater thing over this past year that I, I honestly, this is in all seriousness, there's nothing I appreciate more than the prayers of each and every one of you for Liz and I and for our staff and for our team. The battles we fight are real, and they're not against flesh and blood. The challenges we have in the spiritual realm on Fridays and Saturdays leading up to a Sunday morning are quite interesting and quite amazing, but your faithfulness to pray for us, I do very, very much appreciate it. But back to the coyote. The coyote, I have this recognition that this coyote now is there, but guess what? It was there. And so I challenge you to recognize, what is it? What is that thing 
that gets you discouraged right away? What is that thing that happens in life that makes you say, oh, I'm such a failure. I'm such an idiot. Oh, I'm not beautiful. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a this. Whatever it is that you are challenged with, that enemy is trying to come in and lie to you and try to break you down. And you need to build your identity up in that specific area. That area. You're like, well, and I need to build myself up in finances. Yes, you do. But I'm telling you now, during this series, during the next six months of your life, you need to build yourself up in the thing that the enemy is trying to discourage you with. Back to Ephesians. I want to go to, uh, turn with me to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Last week we did verse 1 through 5. And I want to start in verse 6. I'm not going to get very far this morning. uh, But I want to pick up in verse 6 on where we're at. Because earlier it talks about because we are saints. So these next few scriptures we're going to talk about begin to outline what we have because of our identity. This now is what we have because of our identity. Verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the beloved. Some of you may be challenged with feeling accepted, being accepted, wanting to be one of the crowd, not wanting to be weird, not wanting to be different. Many of us struggle with this as we're younger. Some of us struggle with this even as we're older. But let me tell you, this verse is telling you that you are accepted. You are accepted because of Christ and what he has done for you. You are accepted. And because you are accepted, you have acceptance. You see that so many of us say the word, okay, yeah, I'm accepted. But we don't walk around actually sensing, feeling, and knowing that we actually have acceptance. It's a bit, there's actually, there's a road. (laughs) There's a road that you have to take, challenges that you have to overcome, things you have to go through, tests you have to pass. Because what happens is, you keep getting tested on the same thing. And when you keep failing on the same thing, guess what? You keep getting tested on the same thing. So it's like, how many times am I going to take the test and fail it? You continue to get challenged with the things where God, he loves you. He cares about you. He wants you to grow. This is why he tests us in these areas. He wants to see us grow in these areas. Again, the test is for you to understand where you are. We have acceptance. What does this mean? Here's what I see. When some of us have applied to college and went to college, how many of you got an acceptance letter to anything at all? Any kind of acceptance letter. You got accepted in the song. Well, you got this letter that says you are accepted. But guess what? You have to do something with that letter. You have to actually then say, you know what? Okay, I have this letter that says I'm accepted, but I'm actually going to make the phone call and says, sign me up. Yes, I want to be a part of that college. Yes, I want to be a part of that organization. And here, the same thing. You are accepted, but you have to take it. You have to take a hold of it. You got the letter. The letter is already here. It's been written. The acceptance letter, you are accepted, is right here. It's already done. Will you receive the letter? Will you take action on it? Will you begin to change who you believe that you are because now you are accepted? What does it mean accepted? It means as you are, as God created you to be. Something that you cannot earn, we are accepted by his grace. By his grace. And what this means, you no longer have to find your identity in a group, in a political party, 
in a movement, in an activity, in your gender, in anything else but in Christ. You are accepted for who you are because He created you. Verse 7 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. This is telling us this morning that we are redeemed. We are redeemed. We have redemption. What does that mean? The word redemption means to compensate for the faults of something. Oh, hallelujah. Because we are redeemed, Christ is compensating for our faults. Thank you, Jesus. Where I am today is not here because of anything that I was able to do, but it's because of Christ living in me. You understand that? We have been redeemed from the curse. These are things we've been redeemed from. And when you think of the word redeemed, what do you think of? You think of like a coupon. At least I think so. I need to redeem my coupon. We were trying to redeem a coupon this morning for some petty peds, which are these cute little shoes for our little daughter Maggie. She's two years old. These are these shoes out there, like make them in Europe or something like that. I needed a coupon for the petty peds, okay? And I'm looking to redeem my coupon. But what happens here is the Lord already said, you are redeemed. And we walk around with the coupon, but we never actually redeem the coupon that we are redeemed. We don't walk with a redeemed lifestyle. What this says is we are to, to re be redeemed is to gain or to regain possession of something. Oh my goodness. Let me say it again. Redemption means not only to compensate for the faults of something, but to gain or to regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. Oh my goodness. What, what are we talking about? Redemption through his blood. Through his blood. His, rede his redemptive power has now made all of this available to us, those who are now redeemed. Now we are redeemed from the curse. What's the curse? Read Deuteronomy 28. Read Deuteronomy 28. It tells exactly what the curse is. We are redeemed from something to something else. What are we redeemed from? The curse. What are we redeemed to? The blessing. In Adam... In Christ. In Adam, in Christ. When you are in Christ, we are redeemed. We're redeemed from the curse. Jesus died for each and every one of us, and I need, we need to understand as a church that he died not just for our salvation. We think, well, Jesus died on the cross so that my sins could be forgiven. Do you understand that the redemptive work on what Christ did on the cross was for so much more than just for salvation? So that you may go and spend eternity with him in heaven. Do you understand that what he paid for by his stripes, what he did, his blood shed, his body broken, was more than just for forgiveness of sins? What he did, what he redeemed, he redeemed your body, he redeemed your business, he redeemed everywhere that you go, he redeemed that we can be able to defeat the enemy, he has redeemed us from every situation, he has redeemed us from the curse to the blessing. And the last part of that verse says, in forgiveness of sins according to his riches of his grace. And I love that I love that Paul did the redemption first and then the forgiveness. It was just like, he, he like knew what we would struggle with. You know, he's just like, okay, 
you know, Holy Spirit wrote this, you know, through Paul. But Paul was just like, he was like writing. He's like, you know what? I need to let them know that they are redeemed from the curse. They are redeemed from the spirit of poverty. They are redeemed from the spirit of sickness. They are redeemed from all these things first. And then I'll tell them, oh, yeah, but you're also forgiven of your sins. You see how Paul, he's like, he knows what we're thinking. Because we always say, well, Christ died for our sins. I'm in Christ. But he has also redeemed us. The wrath of God was poured out on the Son of God not the children of God. So we are forgiven, and we have forgiveness. Now, is it true that we reap what we sow? Eh, this is true. Sometimes we do something wrong, and there are consequences to that. I'm sorry, that's just the way life goes. There are consequences to that. Just like sometimes a parent tells a kid, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch, and then finally they just touch it, and it's oh! And then they realize, oh, guess what? Mom and dad said I shouldn't touch. Much like our heavenly father, he is constantly giving us warnings. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And sometimes we touch anyway, but he is faithful. He is faithful and he loves us. I'm telling you, church, Satan is going to lie to you. He's going to tell you who you, who you are what your identity is, especially when you start going through something. But I want you to understand that God is not punishing you. God is not punishing you. The penalty, the price, everything that was paid was already done by Jesus on the cross. This sounds spiritual. People walk around and say, well, I need to, you know, I need to pay for my sins. There are consequences to your sins, but forgiveness is yours. You are forgiven. Anything you've ever done in the past, anything you'll do in the future when you're in Christ is forgiven. You are forgiven. The last part of that verse I do want to just read, and I'm going to pick up here next, next week, verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. No, church, we have wisdom. We have wisdom on how to walk through this world. We have wisdom in how to walk through the situations that is in front of us. We have wisdom. The church this morning, you are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are wise. You have complete redemption. And you are accepted in him. Let us pray. Worship team, if you want to come up. Heavenly Father, we just come to you this morning. Father, each and every one of us struggle with different things. For you created each of us unique. And I ask, Lord, now that you begin to reveal to us the places where we need to grow in our identity. Where we need to see our identity in a new light. And Father, I'm asking now for that to be our complete and total redeemer. That even when we do fail, even when we do mess up, even when we do have challenges, that you compensate for our faults. That you make a way where there was no other way. So Lord, I ask this morning that we would receive our new identity in Christ. Your word says 216 times in Christ. So even as I pray, Father, I just ask 
that you're revealing to this church, to this congregation, to those listening online. A word you have for them that will give them strength in times of discouragement. Father, whether that word is accepted, whether that word is blessed, whether that word is healed, forgiven, redeemed, Father, speak that word to them now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Whatever word that the Lord gave you, just meditate on that word. For the word says that whatever is true, meditate on these things. Whatever is profitable, meditate on these things. And I truly believe this morning he has given many of you a word. Just one word he has whispered to you. And I want you to meditate on that word, for that is truth from him. The next time you hear the word failure, you say, no, that's not my name. That's not my identity in Christ any longer. Next time you hear the word ugly, you say, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh. I am beautifully made. Next time you hear the words, you're not able. You say, no, I am able. Next time you hear the word loser, you say, nah, I am victorious. Next time you hear some, the word worthless, you say, no, I am priceless. For Christ died for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for ministering to us today. Thank you for reminding us of who we are in Christ. Thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You can look up here. Uh, We're going to have some small group leaders that will make their way up to the front. If you have never made that decision to be in Christ, to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I encourage you to come up here. Get with one of these small group leaders. They will pray that prayer with you. They will encourage you. If you have any other situation in your life that you need prayer for, these are the people we go to. These are the people your pastors go to. So these are the people that can pray with you, can love on you, and can help you in every situation with God's wisdom and his guidance. Have a blessed day. Enjoy the last weekend of summer. Oh, sorry. Be blessed. Be highly favored. Enjoy the great weather out there. Have an awesome day. Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. 
If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org, where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today, and always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.